Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Here on Kevin's Corner, been a few days. Bye week action always comes at an opportune time. I feel like every coach says that. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, kind of splits up the season in thirds for the Colts. They come with the early bye week in week six. Uh, they'll have kind of a mini bye week in late November when they play the Texans down in Houston on Thursday night football. And yeah, it kind of segments the season up a little bit. So, Joey, how was uh, how was your bye week? And congrats to your Steelers getting a big win on Sunday. Yeah, night. it was great. I was at Purdue for homecoming. Boilers picked up a much needed win, and then uh, the Steelers on Sunday night. So that was impressive by Purdue. It was. They put it on them. It was needed. Yeah. All those freshmen stepped up and played well. Uh, so they got to go to Iowa this weekend. Not great, but no. overall bye weekend, two wins, quality time with the wife. It was good. Nice. Yourself? Nice. Yeah, yeah big it was- one. It was good. I had a big one. Yeah, my brother got engaged. Congrats, Thank Mr. you. Bowen. Appreciate that. Yeah, Ryan Bowen uh, to his beautiful fiance Kristen Kremp. Um, very, very excited about that. So I was down in Nashville, Indiana for a little bit um, of celebrating on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I got on the golf course Sunday. I My back's killing me. I'm getting old. Um, but I'm ready to be back in, in, the, uh, in the studio. Yeah, it's a big one this weekend. This is a big one, you know. It's something that for mid-October, <laughs> this is about as big as it kind of gets, really. Um, sure, you know, in past years you've probably had like, and I guess past years meaning like a decade ago, like, oh, the six and zero Colts and the seven and one Patriots, or you know, wh- whatever sort of record yeah. you want to throw in there. Those games were big, but if you're talking specifically about like divisional race here in the AFC South in 2019. The four and two Texans, the three and two Colts. This is about as monumental as you're going to find it for the month of October. Um, and I, I feel like it's a terrific opportunity for the Colts coming off their bye week. They're getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Houston certainly had a big win yeah. on Sunday against Kansas City. And uh, man, this is big, dude. It's uh, yeah. It's a one o'clock kick. I love that. You know, we don't have to have a prime time big game. It's one o'clock. Let's get to it. Let's start fast. And um, like you mentioned, how much does it play into a factor of how much success the Colts have had in Houston as compared to saying, hey, we really, really need this one because we got to go down there in prime time on a short week. Yeah later in the year. I think those are all really good points, especially when you say the short week. You know, yes, you've had a lot of success in Houston. You've had success on a short week mm. in, in in Houston before, but still, that's a tall order no matter what, because you never know. Think back to the New England game that last year. Mm. You go to New England on a short week, and you are decimated with injuries. You dressed like 44 healthy football players, and you ended the game with like 42 healthy guys. So you never know what your health is going to look like you know, five days before a game. That's life of playing the Thursday night football games. So I think that's why this one is so important. And if you can get it to go up 2-0 in the division, to be, you know, have the early tiebreaker over Houston, now you set up your next four weeks after this game, you're probably going to be a five-point favorite at least, I would say, in all those games. Maybe at Pittsburgh you won't be that high. But still, you're going to be favored in, in, in all of these football games, you would think. And it's just a different uh, sort of stance to play from. We aren't used to the Colts really playing from ahead in this division. But, you know, you you haven't won the division since 2014. And I I think that should be motivation enough for this football team. And, you know, injury-wise, before we get into the rest of the podcast, and and today we'll obviously hit on Twitter questions and um, talk a little bit of kind of bye week Let's look ahead at 2020 free agents because Thursday's podcast will be a little bit more Texan-centric, but just hitting on Houston briefly here at the start. Uh, Darius Leonard and Clayton Gathers both cleared officially. They were practicing yesterday. That's why we're coming at you on Tuesday. Um, The Colts did have a practice on Monday, so I wanted to see what was cooking over at West 56th Street before we came back in studio. And, you know, Leonard's return this week, it goes without saying, how important it is, and I thought Frank Reich, you know, 
made a good point of just the extra importance that comes this week when you're playing a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think if you're making any sort of MVP list, Joey, after six weeks, Deshaun Watson's got to be on on it somewhere. Yep. Um, he might not be one or two, but he's he's on it. And Leonard's ability to close when quarterbacks are scrambling, Bobby Okariki's ability to close when quarterbacks are scrambling. That's why you you've had this kind of run and strike mantra that Chris Bauer has wanted to find at the linebacker spot. And having Leonard back in the lineup is going to be absolutely vital for you. Um, I'm still a little bit unsure on Malik Hooker. I think it's a slam dunk he plays. You know, Sunday will be week four for him since he got hurt. And that original timetable was four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And for a guy that's, you know, been injury prone his career, you know, do you want to rush him back? I, certainly he would help you out big time. You know, when you're facing a Houston team that, I think we need to remember, Joey, too, like this is a different – I think it's a better Houston offense than we saw last year because it's a healthy Will Fuller. The stable of running backs isn't just Lamar Miller, but it's kind of a diversified group um, that that brings different skill sets and Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. And their offensive line, you know, played better last week, and and they're running the football as a top-10 unit. So the offensive line hasn't been like – God awful. Sure, certainly, there's been moments early in the year where they've been poor, uh, but at the same time, they've done better than just you know the constant sack fest. It seemed like Deshaun Watson was under last season, and we'll, we'll see if Kenny Stills plays. I know he was banged up, but there are two big injuries for the Texans. No Titus Howard at right tackle. The Colts have exposed offensive lines that have been banged up this season. This will be the fourth time. In six six games, the Colts have played an offensive line that's missing one of their tackles. I think in the three previous games, they had 12 of their 13 sacks in the season. So they've played five games. Yeah. Three of them banged up tackles, 12 sacks. The two games when the tackles were healthy, one sack. So this is notable for a Houston line that obviously has struggled with injury issues, or it's just struggled, I, would, I should say, with quality play issues. Missing Titus Howard is a big loss there at right tackle. And then at corner, the group that's just been exposed by the Colts like none other in so many meetings, Bradley Roby, it looks like he will be out for this matchup with a hamstring injury. And Jonathan Joseph, who, you know, insert your burnt toast line here of what T.Y. Hilton has done to him in his career. I think Coach Venturi said it and they're before the playoffs last year it said T.Y. Hilton has him on his uh, IRS tax yes. form. Yes. I love that line. Yeah. That was good. Mm-hmm. you imagine Rick Venturi in his basement watching film coming up with that line? I would I would pay probably 20 bucks to be able yeah. to have two hours in there to just listen. For sure. Yeah. 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 I, I would love that. Um, But I mean... Coach Venturi's right. Jonathan Joseph has been absolutely torched by T.Y. Hilton, and he missed the Kansas City game with a hamstring injury. That's Jonathan Joseph. So we'll see where he is at this week. But Roby, you know, was a newcomer that they brought in this year. He had been playing pretty well. So you think about their two maybe weakest position groups, O-line and secondary, two key injuries for the for the Texans there. Um, lastly, before we move into the free agency rundown, Joey, just your thoughts in general on what you saw from the Texans against the Chiefs. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, it, you're down 17-3 to three in an environment like that. That and, was what was maybe most impressive to me. Right, and th- there was there was, there was was no there, uh, you know, there was no flinch, you know what I mean? They just kept on with their plan. All of a sudden, you look up, you know it, and they have a lead, you know, going into halftime. Right. And you're like, what? I thought this game was over. You're down Wild 14. Wild second quarter. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I, I loved I think they were taking a little bit – Collinsworth would have liked it a lot. Took a little bit from Reich in the uh, fourth quarter there, where <laughs> it was fourth and two, I think, fourth and one, yeah. or fourth, and two. fourth and two. Yeah. And the Texans said, "You know what? We're putting the ball in the hands of our best player, Deshaun Watson. He found Hopkins, and they're you know game over." Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that play. Fourth and two. The Texans are up uh, seven. Uh, have a 45 yard field goal if they want to go for that. And I think Fairbond had missed, I think one kick earlier in the game, mm-hmm. so I think there are some questions there. Um, but yeah, Bill O'Brien, very Frank Reich-esque there. And and I think when you watch how Kansas City defended that play, it goes back to now, it's not the same blueprint that the Colts used in December and January of their two wins over the Texans last year. Will Fuller's now on the field. There's more of a competent wideout. 
Kiki Kuti, who played in the first meeting. I'm not sure if he played in the last two against the Colts. He's on the field. There's just more, there's more support around DeAndre Hopkins than there had been late last season. Right. Fuller and, scored three touchdowns a couple weeks ago. I mean, Fuller, yeah. you know, we know, you know, in the state, and certainly as a Notre Dame fan, I know full well, no, no pun intended there, just what he can do. Um, so this is going to be, I, man, this is going to be a fun matchup. Um, I can't wait, you know, for again, for, for mid-October, yeah. there's some juice. And honestly, look at the home schedule. Probably the biggest game you're going to play all year. Oh, yeah. You know, yes, we're going to get to like week 15 and it's going to be like, wow, the Colts really, really need this game. Carolina with Kyle Allen resurgence. Kyle Allen all yeah. of a sudden looks better than Cam Newton. Um, I'll reiterate, considering the month and the time of year for week six, this is a monumental divisional game. Yep. You know, if you're going to go to those analytics sites – a win this week, it'd probably shift at like 10, 15% getting into the playoffs or not getting into the playoffs. I, I think it would be that significant. Yep. Looking forward to it for sure. One of the good things about the bye week, though, Kevin, is that you have a little bit of time to kind of explore in terms of the content that you want to write about. And that's what you did. You had one uh, article detailing the rookies and how they've looked, and you had another one looking at the 2020 free agents coming up for the Colts. Right. And, um, as you said, Joey, it's kind of an annual thing we do on 1075thefan.com. Look at the rookie report at the bye week and look at the free agency report, if you will, at the bye week. Um, and let me mention, it's very, very early. You know, the Colts' bye week came uh, not even a third of the way through their regular season, just five games. So a lot of time for these guys to um, change the narrative, improve the narrative, uh, whatever they need to do. Here as they're in contract years. But one thing I noticed going down this list, I want to say there's a dozen guys on the 53-man roster, and I threw Devin Funches on that list as well, even though he's on IR. Um, there are some pretty notable names, and I think some difficult decisions on both parts that the Colts will have to make next spring. So um, it was uh, it was a fun little challenge trying to make cases pro and con for some of these guys. All right, well, we'll just, we'll just look at kind of the main guys, the starters that are going into these contract years, and I'll just throw a name out there, and then you can give a breakdown of what you think, uh, how it's looking for them. We'll cool. start up front, Anthony Costanzo. Most important name on this list, uh, your MVP after the first five weeks. A lot of people will say Quentin Nelson. I think you can make a strong case for the guy next to him. Yeah, I think Anthony Costanzo's been outstanding. And again, when you say the most valuable player, that's why it's like, man, it's such a big drop-off if – or Raven Clark or Joe Haig would have to go over right. to left tackle. But um, he's 31 years old, Joey. He feels pretty good about still being able to play, I think, into his mid-ish 30s. What's a typical shelf life for a left tackle? You know, I think you can get to your mid-30s. Yeah, I mean, there are some drop-offs. Um, I know Andrew Whitworth was, like, very old, leaving Cincinnati, went to L.A. and had a great kind of first season with the Rams. So um, I, I think there are all cases you could probably be made, but I still think offensive linemen, you can get to your mid-30s. Tackles, maybe it's a little bit more delicate than uh, than interior linemen. Think about Casanzo. He's been really durable in his career. I know he had the hamstring injury early last season, but remember his talk in the offseason. He was like, this new strength and conditioning program has totally changed how my body feels. I now know how to train better. It's not get to 100% by July 24th. It's make sure you're 100% by September 10th. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a bit of rejuvenated sort of, okay, this guy's going to play. He's going to get one more contract. Uh, doesn't look like that contract is going to happen here in the regular season, but uh, this is a no-brainer to me because, I mean, who the hell else is going to guard or is going to block that blind side? What about Jack Doyle? Coming off injury last year, looking pretty solid so far in 2019. Yeah, I, I would say that's accurate, and, and I'm glad you threw in the injury caveat because that was, I guess, the one question that you had of, wow, a hip and a lacerated kidney. Those are not just a sprained ankle. Those are pretty significant injuries. But Jack Doyle has showed, and it's almost one of those things, Joey, where it's like, you know, if you're stuck, like, taking a test after school back in the day and you've got the really dumb kid next to you, you're going to look pretty good. Mm. You know, it's, and, and maybe that's a little too harsh, but like Jack Doyle next to, e, next to Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle looks pretty good. And again, calling Eric Ebron dumb is a bit harsh. So that analogy. In terms of the is, analogy, it's he's just not doing as well or succeeding correct. to the level of 
of Doyle. He just doesn't offer you the same sort of consistency. And I think that's such a critical element for Frank Reich. Um, And it should be for any coaching staff, but I think especially for Frank Reich. And we've we've seen it in playing time. I mean, Jack Doyle's playing right around 70% of the offensive snaps. I think he's played the most snaps of any skill player for the Colts this season, um, which I think is notable. So I look at it as 29-year-old Jack Doyle. How about a three-year contract to end his career here in Indianapolis? I mean, that would be a hell of an NFL run for him um, to sign two contracts, two, you know, long-term-ish contracts with your hometown team. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think there's a lot of pros for Jack Doyle coming back. After last year, people were thinking Eric Ebron probably going to break the bank somewhere so far through 2019. Not the start he wanted. No, not at all. Four drops for Ebron. Um, you know, and he's on pace for the lowest production of his career, Joey, no matter really what sort of receiving category you want to look at. Um, the playing time has started to dwindle. You know, he wanted to be more of a blocking presence this year and get on the field a little bit more, and that hasn't really happened. Um, so when we talk about guys that need to change the narrative, he's got 11 games to go ahead and do that. Um, And if you can't block, or in the Colts' eyes, you aren't a a quality, satisfactory blocker, Mm -hmm. you better be just studly, if that's a word, in the receiving game. And he hasn't been that to start this season. So um, he's 26 years old. That's a big pro in his camp. Again, he's got 11 games to change that narrative. You know he wants the money. He's got a mega agent. He wants to get paid like, you know, what he thought he was probably going to get paid back when he was drafted 10th overall, seeking out that second contract. Um, but, yeah, right now this has been about as poor a start as maybe anybody on this uh, free agent list for the Colts. What would the rest of this year have to look like in order for him to do that? It's a great question. I mean, the catch rate would have to skyrocket. He would need to get to a level of, uh, I think, very close to Jack Doyle's sort of consistency in catching the football. I think Doyle hovers around, like, north of 70%. As a pass catcher, um, I think Ebron's under fifty percent right now. So yeah, I mean he would have to he would have to get to north you know north of sixty sixty five. Show some you know ability in the blocking game as well, and um, you know if he can do that, maybe it's maybe it's a it's another contract. But I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just thinking to myself like. Is it worth a three or four year deal? You know that that that's those me, questions just, are always going to be there, right? You know, is this something that you're always going to have in the back of your mind of like, okay, when are the Ebron drops coming? You know, things like that. So he's really got to flip it hard, I think, for my mind to change. Devin Funches signed that one year deal, hoping that he would be able to have this as a kind of a prove it deal. Signed big yeah. after this year. And then week one, he breaks his collarbone. Yeah, you feel terrible for him because it's so hard to evaluate where he's at. I think he can get back to practice next week, Joey. Uh, his return to game action, though, is not for a couple more weeks. Uh, the Miami game, I want to say it's November 3rd. Um, or Steelers. Steelers is the 3rd. Uh, Dolphins is the 10th. So, yeah, that would be the earliest. So, he's still got to sit out three more games. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's going to be one again. I think we got a question a few weeks ago, Joey, of like, um, I'm putting the heat pack back on. Go for it, man. Got to do what you got to do. You know, what are we doing? 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off. Hey, you guys stand around a lot out there. The Colts complex, you know, it's tough. You're acting like I'm freaking <laughs> competing in the world's strongest man competition. Need <laughs> one of those belts, just icy hot belt around my. You'd be like Lower Howard Mudd. We're going to get you a little cart and <laughs> r- roll you around out there. My lamey Howard Mudd cart. <laughs> um, so I, I think we got a question a few weeks ago about Funches. Like, okay, what are the numbers he has to show in the last two and a half months or the last two months of the season for him to earn a contract? I think it's tough for me to accurately state those numbers. And Joey, I keep on coming back to with Funches. What do Deion Kane and Paris Campbell do? You know, those guys have underwhelmed a little bit the yep. first five weeks of the year, five games of the season. What do they do in the final, you know, two and a half months of the year? And, you know, Funches is similar to Ebron. What does he want? 
Does he want the mega contract? Is he okay with another, you know, one or two year deal, something like that? You know, I think those are all really fair questions for Funches, but this one we got to put on hold, I think, uh, for at least another couple months. Another guy that's battled injuries mostly throughout his career, Clayton Gathers. Yeah, Joey, um, the good news on Gathers obviously cleared for con- cleared from concussion protocol, so it looks like he'll just miss one game. Uh, but still, that's 24 missed games for him in five years. You know, when you look at Kari Willis, Joey, how I, I just don't see how Clayton Gathers returns to this football team as a starter. Is he willing to be a backup? Is he willing to be a core special teamer for you? I think those are questions that the Colts have got to ask themselves and Clayton Gathers has to ask himself as well. I just cannot see him continuing to be in the starting lineup because I think Kari Willis is emerging and I think he gives you a playmaking element that's just been more consistent than what we've seen from Gathers. And I'm really curious to see how that playing time develops here after the bye week. It might not happen here right away if Malik Hooker's still out, but what happens when Hooker's healthy, when Gathers is healthy, when Willis is healthy as well. Uh, So 27 years old for Gathers. The Colts love his leadership. Love, love, love. I can't stress that enough. So that is a big pro and possibly him coming back. But I think in terms of a role, man, it would have to be as a backup, sub-package, you know, special team guy uh, for Clayton Gathers. Another guy they like the leadership of, the veteran presence of, is Jabal Sheard. And boy, he's been big in these first two games back, you know, and we talk about you know, at wideout with Devin Funches and some of the young wideouts and maybe not living up to the hype, we'll go to the young defensive linemen. Kamoko Turi now broken ankle, dislocated ankle. Tyquan Lewis, a very odd start to his second season. Very odd start for Tyquan Lewis. Um, Al-Kadeen Muhammad's a nice player. Is he, a, you know, a, a, a disruptive playmaking defensive end that you want for the next 10 years? In your starting lineup, probably not. So, Sheard could be a short-term deal guy, which I might not have said a few months ago because you expected growth from Ture, you expected growth from Lewis, and, you know, obviously you hope and believe Ture will come back from this injury, but still you want probably some sort of insurance there. And still, it's the early down element. We'll go into Kamoko Ture's third year, and we'll still have the question of, can this guy be an every-down sort of rusher, or I should say sort of defensive end, more so than a rusher? Uh, and then Tyquan Lewis, it's just it's still a bit baffling to me how he started this second season, and I think we have a few Twitter questions, so I'll hold off a little bit more on that. But uh, right now, you know, sheared a one- or two-year deal for a 30-year-old? Kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, what's it hurt? Yeah. After the first two weeks of the season... This was not looking too good for this guy, but we've had a few kind of uh, seamless weeks here before the bye for Adam Vinatieri. What's it looking like for the 46-year-old? Yeah, he's definitely steered the ship back onto calmer waters. Um, Having said that, this is a decision that both sides are going to have to make after the season. Does Adam Vinatieri want a 25th NFL season? Do the Colts think that this guy just turned 47 years old. He will be 47 in December. Can you believe that? That's old. That's old. NFL, it's... I Ancient. Mean, yeah. Archaic. Um, do the Colts think it's time for a younger option at kicker? So, yes, Adam Vinatieri has kicked better. I think he's 7 of 8 on field goals here in the last two, three weeks. Uh, missed from 57, hit the upright on the 48er or 47, however long that one was, and then all the others, I think six makes, have all been inside of 35 yards. So, um, again, this is similar to, I think, like the other names on this list. we got to see how the year plays out. If Vinatieri can prove the guy we've seen the last three weeks is, you know, going to be the guy for the rest of 2019, then maybe you do bring him back. But I do think an honest decision uh, has to be made here. You want to hop into some Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do them. All right, KB, let's start with Rob. He wants to know, did the Colts purposely shy away from man coverage in games one through four in order to set up the Chiefs and catch them off guard? Or is this Eberflus just finally making adjustments? 
Yeah, I think it's the latter. That in the 16 game NFL season, holding off until week five to do something um, seems a bit drastic to me. So yeah, I, I don't think it was that. And it is crazy though, Joey, when you look at the numbers. I mean, 73 percent man yeah. against the Chiefs. The previous high in the Ibraflus era, 25 percent. Mm. Like, could you sprinkle in a 38 percent right. game or yeah. like a 42 percent <laughs> game? Like that to me is just absurd. Um, and you know, when Matt Ryan's carving you up, like he carved you up and Derek Carr's carving you up, like, he, you know, sprinkle in a little bit more man stuff. Yeah. Throw a curveball every right. now and then. Stop giving the fastball. So, um, those are stuff that we've talked a lot about on this podcast and I'm really curious to see now moving forward how he, uh, goes about his past coverage looks considering the success they just had against the Chiefs. From Andrew, give me your overreaction on Brissett after five games. He has a solid floor, but is his ceiling high enough? Well, I think that's the ultimate question. I don't think there's need for like a huge overreaction. I think there is a solid floor there, but ultimately the question that matters the most here in 2019 is what is that ceiling? Do you think he can achieve that? And that will make your decision on what you do in the 2020 draft. Right now through the first five weeks, I haven't seen elite. I haven't seen top eight quarterback in the league. I've seen a guy that is capable of being a middling quarterback in this in this league, which you can go to the playoffs with that. Do I think you can make deep playoff runs? No, not on a consistent basis. So that's what I think we need to see from Jacoby Brissett here in the final 11 games is taking that step forward. Now that his run game has had great success, his offensive line has not missed a single snap. All five of those guys, they've played every snap this season. Teams would kill for that. Past Colts teams. Ryan Grigson would have prayed the rosary every night to have that happen and just didn't. Mm-hmm. So um, there are pieces in place for Jacoby Brissett to take that next step as a passer, and we'll see if he does. Rick has a, a really a long one. He was waiting on this one for the bye week. Yeah, I think yeah. he DM'd me. Sorry about that. He had That's a lot long. of thoughts on, on, on over the bye. He said, outside of Harrison Wayne and T.Y. Hilton, the Colts historically seem to struggle to find and develop wide receivers into real consistent pass-catching weapons. We haven't had a true dual threat really since Marvin and Reggie. Hilton's amazing, but he's never really had a guy draw coverage away from him in the modern era. We don't seem to be able to build depth of wide receiver that can both get open and catch. Even Garcon, Gonzalez, and Moncrief were all inconsistent with us, and the free agent signings rarely played out. Do you ever see Kane or Campbell actually reaching even close to their hyped potential, and is Funches going to be just another failed free agent wide receiver? Well, you know what? It's a long question by Rick, but it's a great, great topic. And I think it's been a bit maddening for fans of the Colts here over the past few years, and I guess few years extends, like he alluded to, back to even kind of those late Manning era when, you know, you spent a high draft pick on Anthony Gonzalez. And I think some injuries contributed to Gonzalez or Kali, um, Pierre Garçon, you know, I, he went elsewhere and still had a pretty good career for, a, what was he, six-round pick, I think he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a great answer. You know, I don't, you know, I've, Hell, I thought Dante Moncrief would be a good player in this league, and Joey has seen the Dante Moncrief, Moncrief experiment. Hey, the return is on. He had a nice little sliding catch on Sunday night. Did he? So we're okay. catching the there football Baby now steps. in live games. This is big. Okay. Catching the football in live games is always good for an NFL receiver. It is. You're right. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's just amazing to me the swings and misses with Andrew Luck in free agency and then in the draft. I mean, you didn't really spend major draft capital early on outside of Moncrief. Um, you know, Paris Campbell and Deion Kane, I still remain very high on Joey. But I think it'd be premature for me to all of a sudden be like, oh my gosh, they're going to command the sort of number two presence that you need. And let's be fair, Harrison and Wayne, I mean, best receiver duo in NFL history, top two or three. Like, I mean, right, that is say. historically good. And there are a lot of teams that just don't find that other number two. Um, I think it's hard to keep everyone happy. And I think it's also harder to, to develop receivers in today's NFL from college. You know, I feel like the college game has just changed so much schematically, yep. especially at receiver. Now, that doesn't excuse you for, you know, some of the receivers that you failed on in free agency. So, yeah, Rick, I, I I really wish I had a better answer for you, but it's 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 a big-time head-scratcher. From MCM24, with Okariki playing so well and Leonard coming back from injury, do you think the Colts go Okariki-Leonard 
or Leonard Walker? Well, I think it's a really good question. I would say it's still going to be Leonard Walker. Now, this week, isn't this a week you might want Okariki on the field a little bit more? Right, to be able to chase down Watson. That run and strike element at, at linebacker. But let's not forget, the three games that Darius Leonard missed, Joey, Anthony Walker played 100% of the snaps. 100% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> He's valuable. Yep. And I still think on rundowns, they want him out there. So, um, whereas I'm pretty confident, and I feel like Kari Wills should outsnap Clayton Gathers moving forward, at linebacker, I'm not ready to say that just yet with Walker and Okariki. Again, Okariki for this week could really come in handy. But, you know, maybe when you're playing Denver, you know, or I don't know, some more of the run-focused teams you have coming up on your schedule, I still think Anthony Walker is a pretty good player. From Jacoby, are we going to see more man defense implemented week over week now? Seems like that defense could be scary playing man when healthy. That is a great question, Jacoby. Um, I assume it's not QB1. Yeah. Um, Look, it's not going to be 73%. We know that. And honestly, that's probably what caught Kansas City so off guard. They're like, what the hell's happening? Like, is their defensive, if, you know, is Rex Ryan call, calling right. the defensive shots for the Colts? Like, what is going on here in the constant man looks? And I think what we have to remember, too, is what was Kansas City's wideout group looking like that day? No Tyree Kill. Sammy Watkins leaves in the first series. Will Fuller in man coverage. DeAndre Hopkins in man coverage. It's a little bit of a different story. Because as Frank Reich alluded to after the Kansas City game, there's a risk that you run when you do play so much man. And if a pass rush isn't getting home, then all of a sudden it's Fuller over the top. It's Hopkins making big play after big play. Whereas, you know, last year you had Pierre Desir and you had some other help and you got to Watson. I think you sacked him in the three games you played. I think you sacked Watson 15 times. Kenny Moore was so effective in that kind of nickel slot blitz. And Reich mentioned against Kansas City, there were favorable matchups on the defensive line that led to the Colts feeling so comfortable in playing man. Houston's a little bit banged up, so maybe you still see those favorable matchups up front. But there's there's a long process to play out. And I do think it's something to where it's a week-by-week sort of case. And that's what I have been clamoring for for this defense. Game plan specific for that certain opponent. Do variety. Have different things that you show on tape. So an opposing offense now says, well, they played 50% man that game and then 50% zone the very next week. What are they going to do to us? I think those are the things you have to evolve with with your defensive scheme. From Tom, with Ebron's drops becoming more noticeable, do you think his chances of being extended go down with every drop? With luck, there are more targets and more passing attempts, so each pass is more valuable now, I guess. Yeah, it's a good point, Tom. I mean, I, I just think his inconsistency period, you know, his his chances of being resigned are going down. And yeah, I definitely alluded to that earlier. Richard wants to know, do you think we will see a similar defense this week to the game against the Chiefs, or will the deep threat of Hopkins and Fuller lead to more zone looks? Yeah, I tend to think a little bit more zone, not the 73%, which I'm fine with. I don't think it needs to be 70% this week. I also don't think it needs to be 20%. Sprinkle, find the balance, change things up. You're playing a great quarterback that's an MVP candidate. Mitch, oh baby, going into a week six matchup here, KB. Oh no. Uh, First First place on the line in the AFC South. Oh, gosh. I'm but it's nervous. never too early. Mitch wants to know, can we get a way too early look at what we might be looking at in the 2020 draft? Position-wise, nothing too serious. Also, that the Redskins pick is looking very good right now. It is looking good. So, think- what what's it in Ian Bunting <sighs> signing to replace Hale? Thoughts? Oh, yeah. They, they signed a tight end of the practice squad. Yeah, I mean. Hale hinges on a 53-man roster. Good for Hale. Um, I think wide out, it's loaded. Uh, quarterback's supposed to be a little bit better this year. Um, you know, maybe a little better at corner than it was last year. That's all I really got, man. It's it, it, it's still a little bit too early for me to dive deep into it. It's so funny. Like me and you both love the draft, love but it. like there are, I think there are people, and Mitch might be one of these people that it's just an ever-ending cycle yeah. of draft. That that's really like the season doesn't even matter. It's just 
what the draft position is. One eye like. always looking towards the future. And I, I, I've said this before. I'm like that as well. Like, Notre Dame got two big commits over the weekend. And, like, I almost care more about that than how they looked against USC, which is idiotic. Like, I I don't fault Mitch, but I just can't go totally there. Uh, then he asked about bunting. Yeah, he's a six seven tight end. Um, yeah, you know, it kind of stinks to lose Hale Hinches, but that's the state of the injury situation that you were at, you know, going to that Kansas City game. Here's something you'll know a lot about, Kevin. Blake wants to know, are the Colts a steady pass rush away from being the NFL version of Notre Dame? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, I, I don't, you know, I guess Ian Book, Jacoby Brissett, some similarities, uh, I mean, Tony Jones and Marlon Mack aren't similar runners, but their effectiveness on the ground has been pretty similar, sure, yeah, I, I could see that, both teams pretty deep at safety, have some versatile defensive backs, um, but man, for a college, Notre Dame has a really, really strong defensive end group, and, and the Colts right now, I'd say that's a question mark, especially with the Kamoko Terry injury. All right, Daryl wants to know, what's the possibility we see Leonard Okariki on the field together in this game? Yeah, sorry. Sorry I threw that in there. Uh, Daryl, we already answered that. Yeah, okay. Uh, from Casey with a K, AFC South question. Is Mariota's time in Tennessee done? Well, Mike Vrabel will probably announce that Later today, um, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Joey, my thought is this. I think you give Mariota one more chance. This um, year? Yeah. One because, game? Yeah, because one, if you say no to him again, it's over. Like, it is over, over, over. And he's in a contract year, so it's not like you're bringing him back next year in a one- or two-year deal. He's got to go elsewhere. So if you say no to him now, I think it's Tannehill. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my thought process of like, all right, one more chance. You're two and four. It's not great by any means. It's not god awful. You know, if Tannehill doesn't do anything, or you lose another game, or excuse me, if Mariota doesn't do anything and you lose one more game, then maybe you go with Tannehill for the rest of the year. But if you slam the door shut on Marcus Mariota, you're slamming the door shut on him forever. To be frank, and he it's not like he's been horrific all year he's had a couple games and it's typical him he's had a couple games where they've been outstanding now the question just becomes will the benching will the in-game benching be the wake-up call from brett he says i feel like it's a two-way race for the division at this point but with casey's recent implosion and the unpredictability of the afc north could the afc south division champs be looking at a first round bye who asked this from brett brett that is not you know that's not the most absurd question in the world I still think Kansas City will get it together, but they are a banged-up football team right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, Houston gashed them. I mean, it's one thing for the Colts to gash them with that offensive line. Houston did that? So, I think Baltimore's probably the second-best team in the AFC right now. But that, that, that that's a think. I mean, who they is? They go to Seattle this weekend. They got New England coming up. They, got, they have I mean, a really tough schedule yeah. coming up. Um but, I mean, who is? Is it is it the Colts? Is it Houston? Is it Kansas City still? What about Buffalo? I mean, I know it sounds ludicrous to say, but... Peter King pointed out they could be, I think, 8-2 and two or 9-something. and th- nine something. They could, uh, by Thanksgiving, when they go to Dallas, they could be like an 8-2. and two. And you could be very similar to what we saw from the Chargers last year. Uh, like, they're in the mix all year long with New England, mathematically, to still have a chance in the division. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be a wild card team at like 11 and 5 or 12 and 4, you know, something crazy. But then they go on the road yep. for that first wild card game. Um, and this goes back to my point of like, this is why this game is so important. The Colts are currently outside of the playoff picture. I think right now they're seventh. Uh, Oakland would have the head to head tiebreaker over them to get the yeah. wild card spot. So they're outside of the playoffs. But you win this and Baltimore loses in Seattle. Not only are you in control, early control, of the AFC South, you're also in control of the number two seed. And again, it's extremely early, but that is why this game is so vitally important for the Colts. Smooth Smith wants to know, what has been the worst position group on both sides of the ball so far? I'd go wide out on offense. Defense, I'd go uh, probably defensive tackle. You know, you, you saw they signed Carl Davis 
uh, mm-hmm. this week when they put Kamoko Terry on injured reserve. Um, that's a wake-up call, you know, to guys like Marcus Hunt and, and Grover Stewart and um, Danico Autry, I think more consistency. So I, maybe the whole defensive line, but I'll say defensive tackle if I'm going to get a little nitpicky. Jake Wardell doesn't have a question, but he simply states, Kari Willis is showing young shades of Bob Sanders. Ooh. Changed my mind. Oh. Shades of a young Bob Sanders, excuse me. Well, hopefully the health doesn't go down that road. Right. Kari Willis is a damn good football player, man. Really sound, really solid. I've mentioned the Antoine Buffet comparison that um, his position coach, Alan Williams, told me about a couple weeks ago, just from a temperament, professionalism standpoint. Probably plays the game a little bit more. Sanders-like than Antoine Bethea was a little bit more of a center fielder type of guy, but guy's, guy's a good player, and I think he should be playing more than Gathers. Matt T continues with the Willis question. Do you think Willis has already had more of an impact than Gathers, and should he be starting over him? I think he should, you know, and I'm not sure if the Colts are all there just yet. We'll see when Matt Aberflus talks to the media a little bit later today. I doubt he'll give a whole lot on that. And again, this week, if Hooker misses again, we'll probably see the Willis-Gethers pairing back there. But Kari Willis has made too many impactful plays for me to take him off the field for a significant amount of time. Lucas Robbins asks, which is more likely, the Texans owner, T.Y. Hilton, going for over 125 yards on the Texans or scoring two or more touchdowns on Sunday? It's a good question. I'll say 125 yards. You know, he I know eats up the yards against Houston. eats up the yards. I know he's had more touchdowns this season, but I'll go with the yards. From Joshua, doesn't seem Leonard has been the same player so far this season as he was last year. Obviously, he's been out for three games, but the first two weren't exactly stellar for him. Do you agree? If so, what do you attribute that to? And do you see him bouncing back in the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, he definitely was not playing at an all-pro level the first two weeks of the season. I think he'd be the first one to tell you not mistaken, he gave himself a grade of F and a grade of B the first two weeks of the season. Um, you know, our team's game planning more for him. Our team's trying to get to the second level and get a body on him, knowing that he doesn't want to engage a whole lot. He doesn't want to, you know, really be kind of that, I'm a 240-pound thumper Antonio Morrison where I'm going to you know, engage you and then try to disengage and make a tackle. He wants to be free. He wants to, you know, be able to run. So our team's game planning more for him. That's I think it's a fair question, but two games, small sample size. Um, this is a big one for him. You know, I, I know he's coming back from the concussion, but um, this is the game that you kind of drafted him for, Joey. You know, I think I know Marcus Mariota's flamed out, but Chris Bauer has said in this division and how even Lamar Jackson looks a little bit, you've you've drafted these run and strike linebackers for a reason. From Grant, how do you handle DN now without Ture? Banigou up the depth chart, or do you think they slide Lewis over there on rushdowns more than increase Banigou? Boy, it's a great question, Grant. My problem with, first, my problem with putting Lewis over at end is like, are you too slow? Mm. You know, he's not yeah. the speed guy. And I know he has shown effective pass rushing last year, but like, are you just kind of stunning with that four-man front and just hoping you win with power? Now, Banigou is still a bit of an unknown. Didn't play a single defensive snap against the Chiefs. And, um, you know, he's the guy that I think it most falls on because he can simu- He has a similar trait to Ture, whereas Lewis or Hunt or some of your other options aren't as similar. But, man, Lewis has been – it's been disappointing, Joey. You know, when you think about Lewis's season so far, healthy scratch week one. I think he played 39 total snaps week two and three. It's a decent amount of snaps, 39 snaps. One tackle, that one tackle was assisted. Hurt week four, week five, now here you are. Uh, wasn't at practice on Monday. So, um, boy, he's a guy that, you know, we, we, we've talked about it so many times, Joey. Ture and Lewis, they are monumental for the future of your defense, and they give you the ability to overachieve this season. Unfortunately, an injury has taken Terry off the field, and Lewis, he's now banged up again, and he's a guy that you just you just need to show up over these final two months. Alex wants to know, who's winning against the Chiefs is more impressive to you, the Colts or the Texans? Oh, boy. I mean, they both were damn good. 
damn good. I mean, the Colts were so impressive on, on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Houston, I, I, I was really impressed with because Tyreek Hill was back in the lineup, Joey. And just made that stupid catch on whatever it was, third and 21. Uh-huh. Uh, but what Houston's offensive line did was impressive. And again, I know it's Kansas City's defensive line, but we look at Houston's offensive line, and we probably look at it similar to Kansas City's defensive line. Like, they're very unproven. They're not very good. Those sorts of things. So, um, I was really, really impressed by by both teams. Again, the Colts' defensive blueprint was so impressive to me. What was really impressive with Houston was the fact that they got a team that was probably a little bit more awake, and they got a team that had Tyreek Hill back in the lineup, and they still beat him, and they got down 17-3. So I think you can make good cases for, for both wins. Zach says, Kevin, I realize it's very unballard-like, but I got to ask, any chance the Colts try to work out a trade before the deadline? I think the Colts are... Um, I think the phone is busy, you know? I, I I don't think they're totally not listening to any calls, and I think if they hear a name out there on the market that might be intriguing to them, they could pick that phone up. I do. Um, I don't think it'll be anything monumental, but um, I think you definitely do your homework on it, and you see what happens on Sunday as well, because the defense there is a missing ingredient in the speed pass rush department. Can it be solved via trade? Probably not, but can you find a guy that gives you four or five sacks and provides more of a Ture element and you only give up a, whatever, third or fourth round pick? I might look into it. Might. From Mark, um, I'm going to do one, maybe two more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. From Mark, why don't the Colts run more slant plays and get the ball out of Brissett's hands faster like they did with Luck last year? Houston will double Hilton, so I need quick pass plays to other receivers. Yeah, some some quick rhythm stuff is good. But at the same time, Mark, you know, look at the yards per attempt. I, I, I think with what your run game has given you and what you've done from an offensive line standpoint, take a couple more chances down the field. I mean, you're a top-five rushing team. You're a top-five sacks um, allowed team. So if they're going to double Hilton – you know, why not stretch the field just a little bit more? I mean, Ebron, 15 yards. Kane, 15 yards. You know, Try and find a few more chances down the field. Uh, but, yeah, some of those crossers where, where you haven't been able to make the play yards after catch, that is an element of this offense I thought would be there more in 2019. From Phillip, um, what should we – let me see here. What should we expect from the two new defensive tackles the Colts have signed? Any playing time against the Texans? Yeah, so with Coley, the guy they signed a few weeks ago, he didn't play a single snap against the Chiefs. Um, Carl Davis was just signed. It, it's kind of ironic, Joey. The Colts have signed two new defensive tackles in the last two weeks or so, both over 300 pounds. Both played with the Browns in the preseason, so yep. the joint practice connection there. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just – is the Browns defensive line good? I think they got some. Pa- I mean, they got Garrett. Who they got rushers. Rush, yeah, I don't know yeah, interesting. about their run yeah. defense. So, I I don't f- expect them to play a huge amount, but clearly the Colts are not pleased with the current defensive tackle group they have right now. And against some run heavy teams, maybe those guys do see the field a little bit more. Um, you know. Grover Stewart is now starting over Marcus Hunt. You know, it's just it's it's a group that's been underwhelming. And something we talked about a few weeks ago of the Colts really didn't do anything at defensive tackle this offseason. And now they're, you know, scrambling a bit to try and find some bigger bodies up front. Gary wants to know, has there been any Devin Funches sightings? Will we still expect to see him around week nine or so? Yeah, week 10, I believe, for Funches. It's something I want to ask Frank Reich tomorrow about. Again, I think he can get back to practice next week at the earliest and then week 10. So we're still a few weeks away from uh, from Devin Funches' return. From Marlon Mac Me a Sandwich. Uh, if Justin oh, Houston. Nice. if Ju- Yeah, I know. It should be working for one of the local uh, TV stations. Yeah. If Justin Houston regresses to his pre Kansas City game productivity, what is a realistic estimate of his sack total this year? I'm thinking between five and six. Yeah. I mean, if he regresses, for sure. Yeah, it would be in that um, in that five to six sack range. So, yeah, we'll have to see on uh, on Houston. You know, he's a guy that played so so well in that Kansas City game the Colts had him mic'd up I thought that was really cool just to see his raw emotion in that game yeah. um 
boy, that 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 had to feel good as it as it should. And now he's a guy without Kamoko Terry. You really need him to be the Kansas City presence for the rest of the season. From Melissa, she says, "I asked this earlier, but is the next wide receiver number one on the roster now, or do you think Ballard will still need to find him in the next draft or two? Melissa, sorry, we're just now getting to it. Um, boy, it's a good question. I tend to think it's not on the roster, but it, that doesn't mean I don't like Kane and Campbell. I, I I do. It's just hard for me to sit here and say we're used to this high number one wideout standard here in Indianapolis. I mean, for the last twenty years, it's been Hall of Fame caliber guys. Harrison Wayne and T. Y. Hilton is a Hall of Fame caliber wideout. If you look at his numbers, um. I'll go with no. Man, it's a great wideout class, Joey. You know, it's one of those things in round one. Boy, now I feel like I'm Mitch again, thinking about the draft. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. draft, 2020. I'm such an idiot. All right, Mitch, you got me down the rabbit hole. You're going to have the quarterback debate, potentially. You're obviously going to have the edge rusher debate, and then it's such a wideout heavy group. You know, do you spend a another high pick on a wideout? Mm-hmm. Boy, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna say that the the future number one wideout is not on this roster, but I still think Deion Kane and Paris Campbell can be really good wideouts for them. I would agree with you there. From Austin, any timeline for Lewis or Campbell yet? Also, when will Funches start practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Austin on Lewis and Campbell. So we didn't see Campbell or Lewis at practice on Monday. It sounds like Campbell could be another week away, um, based off the vibe I got from Frank Reich. If you're going to make guesses, maybe a better chance Malik Hooker has a chance to play this week. But, again, still a chance um, than Paris Campbell. And then Lewis, I mean, if he doesn't practice Wednesday, I, I, I'd assume he's going to miss another week. You know, it's hard to get all the injury questions in when so many other people have questions. Um, that's something I want to get to with uh, with Frank Reich and maybe even Matt Eberflus later later today. And then lastly from Chris, if Costanzo keeps playing at this level and demands top dollar – so you see Ballard giving it to him? Do you see Ballard giving it to him, I should say? I know he likes to reward his own guys, but could you see him using the franchise tag or even tagging and trading? Wow, those are some good um, good debates there, Chris. Uh, the franchise tag is something I haven't really thought about. I guess you could definitely do that with Anthony Costanzo. That would make a lot of sense. But I, Chris Ballard saying no to Anthony Costanzo right now? Chris Ballard trading Anthony Costanzo? Who's your left tackle? Right. Unless you're tra- how that wouldn't happen. I mean, you're not trading him for another right, left right, tackle. Right, right. You're not drafting a rookie, I think, in round one and having him plug and play from day one. I mean, that seems very focused on you have to find that tackle in the draft. So, I don't know. Maybe you franchise tackle Sanzo, Joey, and then you uh, go out and draft the tackle in one of the first three rounds. I guess that could make some sense. Anthony Costanzo, though, selfishly, I know it's out of his control. He probably doesn't want the franchise tag. He probably wants to cash in on that four-year right. deal, one more contract right now. Sure. So. Um, those are all good, good, uh, good debates there, Chris. Okay, man. Uh, big one this Sunday. What do we got coming up the rest of the week here? Yeah, we're going to come back quickly. We're going to come back Thursday morning with a podcast, um, because it's Texans week and we need to preview that game more specifically. And then we'll get back to our Monday, Thursday routine moving forward, uh, for the large chunk of the rest of the season. And we got a lot of content up on 107.5thefan.com. The Colts have been perfect on fourth down this year. Seven for seven on fourth down. Um, that's kind of interesting. Frank Reich provided some nice detail on that, so I'll write Collinsworth. something. Collinsworth. Collinsworth's loving Come it, man. On. You know what? Doesn't need to go online anymore. <laughs> He's got it right there with Frank Reich. Um, but, yeah, that is, uh, that's kind of our content outlook for the rest of the week. Definitely look back at last year's meeting with Houston and, and see how things are different and what the Colts can use for recipe for success in a game that we've talked about. It is, whoo, it's big. It is big. Gotta love it. At Lucas Oil Stadium Sunday at 1 o'clock. He's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and we'll come back Thursday morning. Thanks for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.